great to uh, be in the house of the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. It is uh, a day that will never be repeated. The Holy Spirit is with us today, and so I'm excited. And uh, it was great to hear from Boyan and Rachel, and look forward to hearing from them more on Wednesday. You have many incredible stories to share, and we honor you and rejoice that you're here with us at this time. James, you did a great job on remembering that long list. You did, did that really well. So, uh, three baseball umpires were talking about how they call uh, the game. Uh, the first one said, Some's ball, some strikes, I call them as they is. Second one said, Some's balls, some strikes, I calls them as I sees them. And the third one said, that's all wrong. Some's balls, some's strikes. And they ain't nothing until I calls them. (laughs) So think about that. And, uh, you know, it actually may relate to the sermon, but uh, I wanted you to kind of have a baseball story in the middle of the season here. Today is Pentecost Sunday, one of the great feast days of the year. We don't maybe celebrate Pentecost as much as perhaps we should. We celebrate Christmas, we celebrate Holy Week, Ascension Sunday follows that, and then Pentecost, which is today, 50 days after Resurrection Sunday. I believe that those four celebrations ending with Pentecost are the great milestones, the milestone events of Christ's missionary journey to the earth to bring our incredible and great salvation. And now we await one more great day, the awesome day of the Lord. This time, Christ will come not as a suffering servant, but as a conquering king. I pray that you hear the Holy Spirit today and not Joel. Father, I do pray that the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth will be acceptable to you in the strong name of Jesus. You might be interested to know that the World Christian Encyclopedia 2020 edition currently counts 644 million Pentecostals and Charismatics worldwide, including all the members of Pentecostalism's, if you can believe this, 19,300 denominations and fellowships, as well as a lot of small groups, okay? as well as all charismatic Christians whose primary affiliation is with other churches, including Roman Catholics, Episcopalians, uh, Presbyterians, and the the list goes on. This 644 million is 8.3% of the world population, so that one in 12 persons today is a Pentecostal or charismatic Christian. There are 230 million in Africa, 195 million in Latin America, 125 million in Asia, 68 million in North America, 21 million in Europe, and 4.4 million 
in Australia and Oceania. Those who keep these kinds of uh, numbers suggest that Pentecostals and Charismatics, less than one million in the year 1900, will likely be one billion in the year 2050. Of course, the Lord Jesus may return well before that, but that's, that's their forecast. Ralph Martin, you may have heard his name. He's been a leader in the charismatic renewal among the Roman Catholics. Dory from, uh, I think, Ann Arbor. Did you know Ralph Martin? Know, know about him? Okay. He made a uh, statement way back in 1992 that kind of talks about this progression. In 1992, the numbers of Pentecostals and Charismatics had grown to over 410 million and now comprise 24.2% of world Christianity. My research, this is Ralph Martin, has led me to make a bold statement, and this is his statement, in all of human history, no other non-political, non-militaristic, voluntary human movement has grown as rapidly as the Pentecostal charismatic movement in the last 20 years. Five years. Luke, who was a medical doctor and very precise in how he recorded uh, the events of Pentecost, wrote these words in Acts 1 5 For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 8, which I believe, I'm persuaded to believe, is the most important verse in the book of Acts, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I don't believe the book of Acts could have been written unless the apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by him to do the work that they were called to. Luke goes on in Acts 2.1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw, that, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Then Peter, just imagine Peter who, by the words of a servant girl around a fire, 
around the high priest's house when she said, aren't you one of them? He swore that he did not know the Christ. This same Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I was raised as a classical Pentecostal in a Finnish home, and I remember uh, when I received Jesus as Lord, I was seven years old, we had a storefront church uh, on 23 Beverly Street in Toronto, uh, quite a large Finnish community there. And that was a wonderful moment in my life. But I want to go on to a second day that I remember uh, as well, or maybe even better, the day I was baptized in water at a Baptist church, just up the street from the Pentecostal church. We didn't have a baptistry. I said it was a storefront church. But the Baptists were so kind uh, to allow us to uh, use their baptistry. I remember the day well when I heard that there was going to be a baptism service. I told my father I'd really like to be baptized, and he spoke with a pastor, and everybody said that would be, that would be just fine. And I, I prepared myself in prayer for several days, just so much anticipating that moment. And uh, then I was baptized along with two other older men, and... Uh, the words of Peter come to mind, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I remember my pastor baptized me. His name was uh, Buchanan, a, a great Finnish name. And uh, he uh, raised me up out of those waters, and I experienced an incredible joy a, a sense that uh, the Holy Spirit was there. I felt like an eagle. I knew my sins were forgiven. I had been baptized into Jesus Christ. But then let me go to one more day, and I'm glad we have some young people here because these were moments I remember so clearly when I was seven, when I was 10, and then when I was 13. About three years later, we were now living in Waukegan, Illinois, another uh, Finnish community north of Chicago. And a Finnish woman evangelist came to our Pentecostal church for a series of meetings. And she announced that uh, on this specific night, she would like to pray for those who had not yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I was going, kind of going through a kind of a little bit of a rebellious time in my heart. I remember it clearly. And so I kind of made up my mind, I'm not going to go to that meeting. I'm not sure I don't want to go, go to that kind of a meeting. But she knew who I was. She knew I was Uno's son. She personally said, you know, Joel, you, you, you come. 
And so, so reluctantly, I came to that meeting. And uh, when it was time for prayer for those who might want to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit to come forward, I also went forward. I remember she laid hands on me, and I believe there were others as well. And just in a very short time, I found myself speaking in a language that I had never learned and was filled with such incredible joy. I can remember it even to this day. And uh, I, was, uh, uh, I was praying in the Spirit maybe, uh, maybe an hour, maybe longer. And in between, I would go to my parents and ask for forgiveness for wrong attitudes and for things that I could, anything that I could think of. I, I was just deeply, deeply in love with everybody in that room. As I reflect back on those days uh, over 60 years ago, I know the Holy Spirit was powerfully present at both of those occasions. All I knew was that I sensed that I belonged to Jesus. I had been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13 says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. I remember as a 13-year-old, I'm, I'm praying in the Spirit. And one thought that went through my mind was, I, I, I cannot make this up. This is the Holy Spirit. This is the seal that I belong to Jesus. I personally believe that there is one baptism and many fillings. And I pray that even today the Lord would, would refresh us, that we might have a, another filling of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. I was uh, blessed to read uh, Gordon's uh, The Promise of the Father several times this week, and I encourage you to get it and read it. It's a, it's a blessing. In, uh, in his booklet, Gordon uh, tells the story of D.L. Moody, a great evangelist out of Chicago, Moody Bible Institute, of course. I remember going to high school and listening to the Moody Bible Institute on radio. Uh, so uh, anyway, a, a name that's really familiar to me. And uh, D.L. Moody evidently preached often, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. You must continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when pressed and asked, why do you keep preaching that? He finally said, because I leak. And I believe that's a great answer. We are not perfect. We are being sanctified. There are things in this life that cause the power of God to leak out of us. We need to continually seek God on an ongoing basis to be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit. I just read the Luke's account from Acts 2 of the day of Pentecost. We go to Acts 4. Even the disciples, just two chapters later, were asking for an additional uh, infilling of the Holy Spirit. It says in Luke uh, Acts 4.29, Now, Lord, consider 
their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The power of the Holy Spirit again came upon them. They needed a fresh infilling. Uh, They were again refreshed and filled with the Holy Spirit. So I'm praying that we would experience even a personal Pentecost today and in this season. We do leak and we are living in a darker time than I think most of you would agree that we've ever lived in. So we do need the power of the Holy Spirit. This is all a reminder, I'm sure, to almost every one of you. Why was the Holy Spirit poured out at this time? Up until this time, uh, as we read, starting with Genesis 2, the Holy Spirit was active. We uh, know of almost all of the heroes of the faith in the Old Testament, Moses, Joseph, Abraham, Daniel, uh, Joshua, Samson, the Holy Spirit uh, being on them or with them, especially at certain moments when they were incredibly empowered, like Samson when he pulls down the the temple and 3,000 died uh, Philistines that day, the Holy Spirit came on. Samson. And that is actually, I believe, where the disciples were before Jesus uh, rose from the dead and came to them on Resurrection Sunday and said, and with that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, They are not forgiven. When Jesus spoke those words, and he could only speak them after he had defeated death, sin, and the devil, rose victorious, and he spoke newness of life. He spoke the the truth of the Holy Spirit into their lives receive the Holy Spirit, and as he breathed on them, they received the Holy Spirit. That same Greek word, uh, emphosuo, is the the verb used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament when God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. Just as God breathed uh, into the physical man, Adam, the breath of life, and he became a new creation, so Jesus having conquered death, now breathe on the disciples spiritually, and they became a new creation. Through his resurrection, Jesus had become a life-giving spirit. He was able to speak eternal life because he had conquered death and every obstacle before him. At this moment... On Resurrection Sunday morning, the Church of Jesus Christ was born, and she had her, I believe, her inaugural celebration 50 days later on Pentecost Sunday when Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter, 
that was cowering in the courtyard, filled with the Holy Spirit, preached. And 3,000 believed, repented, and were baptized into Christ. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will seek the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. This was before Jesus' uh, death and resurrection. The word counselor translates the Greek parakletos into the, 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 the idea of one called alongside, a rich, rich word. It also means counselor, strengthener, comforter, helper, advisor, advocate, intercessor, ally, and friend. Jesus reiterated, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the counselor, the ally, the friend will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. The death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus had to precede the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' completed work on the cross, his victory over sin, death, and the devil, and his ascension into heaven had to precede the promise of the Father, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Through his resurrection, Jesus became the life-giving spirit to his disciples and to all of us who have been baptized uh, into him. And as I mentioned earlier, Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. This key verse is the verse that tells us why the apostles were able to evangelize their world. It was because they were endued with power on, from on high. They were transformed. God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Jesus again encouraging the disciples that I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may, be, uh, may bring glory to the Father. You may ask anything in my name and I will do it in that we are emissaries of Christ. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. And as we're doing his work, we are able to do even these things that Jesus did. And as we are now 640 million and many more, just because a person does not speak in tongues does not mean he is not filled with the Holy Spirit. I recognized that early on when we were in uh, Poland. I recognized that early on when I came to ORU. You know, when I was a Pentecostal kid growing up in Waukegan, Illinois, I thought that there were only Christians found among Pentecostals and Baptists and maybe a few Methodists. That's, that's kind of what I figured. Came to ORU when the school opened, and surprise of surprise of surprises, 
I, even in that first class, we had students from all over the country, some from overseas, and many of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and I was amazed. I was like Peter, uh, seeing that vision, and uh, the Lord said, eat, and, I, and, and Peter said, no, I can't eat anything unclean. But my eyes were opened. They were opened further when we went to Poland and ministered among Roman Catholics. And uh, the, uh, the, the love, the kindness, the patience, the faithfulness that we saw among them, we were convinced that the Holy Spirit had indwelt these brothers, and it was such a great privilege to work with them. I've had numerous experiences through the years uh, when I was aware that the Paracletas, the counselor, our friend, was with us. In fact, many, many places where I've gone, we didn't have complete information. We didn't know what we would find, but we went knowing that the Lord was with us. I'm going to quickly roll this uh, to an end, but uh, let me tell you one story. It goes back to... Eight, uh, yeah, 1881? No, not that far. Uh, 1981. Uh, Ruthie was expecting our Natasha in England, and I was doing a tour with our Living Sound team in Romania. Uh, that was under uh, Nikolai Ceausescu's reign. He was the incredible, vicious dictator, much persecution of Christians, armed guards on the borders. It was just... Uh, an ominous place to minister. And yet in the middle of that persecution, the church was alive. Billy Graham had been there earlier, and like 250,000 came to hear him. And so uh, we, we were thrilled, we were thrilled to be there to minister, largely with Baptists. I remember being in, in the home of a Baptist pastor who uh, had suffered much for Christ. And I always remember the little plaque on the wall I'll exchange my scars for stars. And I thought, wow, what a hero. What a privilege to know him, even briefly. We'll all meet him one day. Anyway, uh, we're ministering. We're, we're there for a two-week tour. Our translator's name is Joseph. Great name. And uh, after about three days, he comes to our, our sound tech, uh, and he says, hey, would you guys... Uh, would you guys take me with me? Well, would you guys take me with you when you leave Romania in 12 days? And, uh, and that, that was like an incredible question. And so uh, Santec uh, comes to me and, and he said, hey, uh, Joseph wants to come with us. What do you think? And uh, so there was uh, our bus driver. He needed to know uh, <coughs> John Morris in Britain. And then uh, one of the other guys worked as a, an evangelist as well with, with us on the team. So we decided the four of us would pray and we would ask the Lord to just show us. This was a day when there were no cell phones or yet maybe there were a few, but we could not make any calls outside of Romania. I couldn't check in with Terry Law or anybody. And uh, so we, we prayed and... Uh, all four of us felt like, hey, you know what? This, this, is, this is what the Lord wants for Joseph. So we, we built a hiding place. Uh, and uh, it was, there was a side door on the bus. 
and then in the stairwell going up to kind of a higher level as a Newell coach, uh, not a Newell, sorry, uh, a European model. And uh, behind the stairwell, we uh, largely, uh, our Texas brother, built a hiding place with wiring to it. We took him out for a test run for about an hour to see if he could, if he could endure. And uh, he did pretty well, got a little bit uh, claustrophobic. And so we decided at the end of the tour, I remember speaking to him uh, the night before. I said, Joseph, have you talked to your family about what we're planning? He said, I have. I said, uh, are you ready to go with us? He said, I am. I said, Joseph, tomorrow morning, I want you to be here at 5 o'clock in the city square, and we'll load you in. Uh, there'll be just a couple of us here, and we'll get you into your hiding place. And then when the... Uh, team comes, we'll be just saying goodbye to everybody. The rest of the team won't know anything that you're in the bus. And so we, we did that, and Joseph, uh, I remember seeing him that morning. I said, Joseph, uh, do you want to go with us today? He said, yes. I said, Joseph, you're going with us. And so we put him in the bus. I had this sense from the Holy Spirit that we were to do this. And it reminded me of the way Quakers prayed years ago when they needed to know a decision. You know, most of us, when we make decisions, we don't have complete information as to which is the right decision, what it might be like. But the Quakers, when they came to a Y in the road, they would pray. And they would imagineer in their prayer what it would be like if they would go in that direction. Then they'd come back to the Y, and they'd imagineer what it would be like if they go into this direction. When they came back to the Y, they would ask the Holy Spirit, to settle on their hearts with his peace from Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, act as an umpire. That's where the umpire story comes in, guys. Act as an umpire in your hearts as to what is the will of God. And that's how, that's how we prayed for Joseph that day, uh, or I did, and I, I think the three other brothers did. So we come to the... Romanian-Yugoslav border, 1981, a lot of machine guns, incredibly intense, and typical of those crossings, took us about an hour to cross. They took everything out of the bus. They're banging on the metal. They're banging on the uh, entrance into the side of the bus in the stairwell. And John and I and uh, the two other guys, you could have heard our heartbeat from five feet away. Boom, 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 boom. Just, just like a trip hammer. And, and we're still believing this is, this is what the Lord wants. Finally, an hour after they load the stuff, we load the stuff on. We're cleared to go. Remember John, uh, our driver, who was very much in the know, puts it in first gear and he shouts, We're getting out of here! <laughs> and... We, we drive into Yugoslavia, and uh, we had a sound set on Joseph. He's in the hiding place, and he's uh, talking to our sound tech, and then he puts the earphone on one of the, the young ladies on the team, and her eyes just kind of go wild. And then a little later, we let him out of the hiding place. He joins us in the bus, and it was like Christmas and Easter and July 4th all happening at the same time. We had uh, 
I believe, believe the Lord for his release from that communist regime. We stopped in a field, and we just walked away from the highway. And for about 20 minutes, I preached to the team. I said, guys, you cannot talk about this for 10 years. Can't tell anybody except your wife and those of you who get married in that 10-year period. You can, you can tell, tell your wives. But let's keep this just here for 10 years. Just an example of how the Holy Spirit is our guide, our counselor, and he is with us in every situation. So there's been so many, many other situations like that. And uh, I remember one, let me tell you this, this very takes, takes a second, but we were on our first overseas trip in 1972 in Vienna, Austria. And it was my job as road manager to make contact with the contacts that we were going to be working with, this time going into Timoshara in Serbia. Uh, is that the name of the town, Timoshara? And there was a, there was a pentacle. Oh, lovely. So we're going to Timoshara, and uh, I had made repeated phone calls from the local telephone office to the pastor. It was a Pentecostal pastor in Timoshara, and I could not get through, could not get through. And so Jay, uh, Terry says, hey, well, let's just forget it. We'll just go into uh, Timoshara, go to the city square, pass out pamphlets, you know, and then we'll come back. And I sensed, I said, no, I've got I've to try one more time. Just had a sense that the Lord was impressing me. And so I got on the back of a moped. This local guy took me to the telephone station, make the phone call, get the pastor. He said, just come. It'll be fantastic. And that was how we first ventured into the communist world way back in 1972. And then we went to Poland and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I've gone on for a long time. But let me uh, just reiterate, uh, the Holy Spirit is the agent of salvation. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Yet all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. As we pray for our loved ones, those that are our neighbors. Let's let's continue to pray that the Lord would give them a gift of repentance. Jesus uh, declared, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases you. Hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Holy Spirit, born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the agent of sanctification, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit, of course, is the agent of preparing us for service, empowering us uh, with his spirit uh, so that uh, we receive, I believe, the same divine anointing that descended on Christ and on the disciples, enabling us to proclaim God's word, believe for healings and miracles, even as we are believing for Laura 
tomorrow and uh, uh, see lives totally transformed. Let me just finish with these. But you will receive power. I'm coming back to that verse over and over again. We, we need to know that that power has been given to us. We do leak. We need to be refilled over and over again. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Martin Martin Lloyd-Jones says Pentecost is the final proof that Jesus is the Son of God. I think that's a great statement. He observes that at Pentecost, the church was united as one body. And I think that's a prayer that we should continue to pray, even at this season here in Tulsa that we're in. John 17, 20, when Jesus prayed that he, uh, that we might be one, even as he and the Father are one, and then the world would know that you are my disciples. So let's, uh, let's be much in prayer for the events coming before us. And let me just read from Luke 11. And then I'd like for us to pray. And uh, I'd, well, let me just read this passage real quick. For I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So I just have a simple question. If you would like, to have more of the Holy Spirit, if you'd like to have a refilling of the Holy Spirit, if you admit that you also leak and you need the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to just ask you to stand and I'd like to pray for you. And uh, I'll also want to add to that that if if you want to stay for uh, a more extended time of prayer, you're most welcome to do that. Father, we thank you so much for this day. This is the day that you have made. Your, your spirit is moving among us. Father, we do thank you for the, for the move of your spirit that is reaching all across the globe. We thank you for the uh, many who have been uh, one to Christ through the Pentecostal charismatic renewal. We thank you for the many that have come to Christ uh, through many other powerful outreaches of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we pray today that you will rebaptize us, refill us, re-empower us, reinvigorate us with your Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that we might 
exhibit more of uh, the fruit of the Spirit than we have ever in our lives. That we might have more love and more joy and more peace and more patience and more kindness and more goodness and more faithfulness and more gentleness and more self-control. And that that would be a incredible testimony of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Father, we pray that we would be emboldened to be your witnesses here in Tulsa and uh, in Serbia and in the Balkans and wherever you lead us in the days uh, that are before us. Lord, we pray uh, concerning uh, the 100-year centennial of the uh, Tulsa massacre. Lord, we pray that the churches in Tulsa would come together, that uh, Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane would be answered again here in our local area, that we might be one, even as Jesus and the Father are one, and that because of that unity, the whole city and even the nation would recognize that we are children of God, empowered and being filled continually with your Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for your infilling, your encouragement, and help us to be cognizant of the fact that we can come to you regularly for new infillings, even as the apostles did, and even as they sensed infillings, even in preaching in difficult situations, and in so many instances, Lord, help us to know that you are a father, a good, good father that gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray and we believe. Amen. If any of you want to, you're welcome to come and pray longer, but I think you're also free to go.